You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Michael Bloomline. He's the author of The Brains of Rats. Tell me, Michael, one of the things I was recently talking to Michio Kaku about, and this I think is really pertinent to your work, is that the difference between biology and physics is dissolving more every day. It is, actually. <laughs> it's funny you should say that, because I was just um, talking today about that. We were actually talking about uh, nanobiology and um, the technology of using uh, com- computer computer elements, embed them in actual living tissue and cells and on a, on a, on a uh, cellular level. And, uh, and I, that's very interesting to me. The other stuff that's really interesting is the research that, that I'm in, most interested in now in genetics and epigenetics, a lot of which has to do with, with, the phys- with, with physics. Let me backtrack for a second. Many of the things that go on on a cellular level, on a genetic level, have to do with, with molecules and with chemistry. But what goes on in the, on the level of chemistry has to do with physics because it has to do with spatial orientation, topology, the folding of mi- macromolecules of DNA. It's really wonderful and fascinating. And so those fields are really actually have melded now. In the res- I work at, at the University of California, which is a big research institution. And the research areas now being done really make not a lot of distinction between those two fields at all because they're really one and the same. The same way that mathematics and mathematical modeling and computer modeling is being used for cellular processes and to understand the way that genetic operations happen. So my answer is... That. <laughs> well, talk about how what you do at work, uh, you know, infiltrates your fiction and infiltrates your worldview. Because I've got a, a, a guess that you have a peculiar perception of the world based on what you spend your workday looking at. I, uh, much of what I write has to do with. Uh, I'm a doctor, and much of what I have, what I, what I write has to do with with that. Before I became a doctor, I was fascinated by. Uh, the science, medicine, and the science of the body. I worked in the genetics lab very early on in the 60s, and uh, and that particular area has remained fascinating to me, and it's kind of what I'm most interested in now. And the story I'm going to read tonight is actually about this new um, frontier, not in research, uh, because that's been going on since Watson and Crick unraveled the double helix in the 50s, but in the field of clinical medicine, we are now, ha- I had my first patient um, who'd had his genome fully sequenced. And that is, this is huge and really exciting and really scary. And it's going infil- to infiltrate clinical medicine. It's not really quite yet, but it's happening because I did have this patient. So on a purely individual, as a rider, that's, those are kind of the areas that really interest me on a level as a doctor I'm, I'm a real humanist and I I'm a uh, I'm a person who's out there to help people and that's what I do you know you you call yourself a humanist as a doctor and, and I can believe that <laughs> but when I read your fiction which is <laughs> really dark <laughs> well so Rick Rick you're talking about uh, uh, the brains of rats which is and and I guess it, even some of my uh, 
the thing is, I don't think of my stuff as dark mostly. Um, much of the stuff that is dark to me is, uh, I think it is a product of, of, there's a certain kind of detachment that a doctor can and must have um, to an objectivity that you have to have in order to treat people. You, you both have to empathize and get involved. You have to, and I do. But you also have to be able to detach in order to make clear decisions and to be able to communicate clearly. And uh, But my imagination goes to kind of, some people find kind of dark or creepy. Sometimes they are to me, mostly they're just kind of fascinating and interesting and funny sometimes. To me, it's very humorous. Other people um, have different reactions to it. My, the last novel I wrote, well, the last novel I wrote is called The Domino Master, and that I just finished, so that's the, my newest. But the one before that, called The Healer, I wouldn't call dark. It's, uh, it's a story about a healer, and, and it's based on a, a lot of what healing really is, but in a metaphorical, science fiction-y, science, fantasy way. But I don't think of it as dark. I think of it as deeply involved, deeply human, deeply moving, deeply fulfilling. You know, one of the things I like about your work is that your your mean use the way you use the genre to externalize um, things that are really difficult to talk about. And I think that's why your work might strike some people as dark because you get you're able to bring forefront issues in the forefront right out and in a sense it's I guess it's almost like surgery because you we all see the whole human you might have to slice them open and see what's inside and that would like be kind of disturbing to us but for you it's another work day and it's a thing of joy because you're probably repairing them well yeah I, I don't do too much surgery <laughs> I do a little um, and I've softened in the, yeah, earlier in my career I had a, a, I wanted to shock to a certain degree. Um, I wanted to, I was rebellious and I wanted to raise eyebrows. Um, but it, and that was fun. Um, but the truth is that I don't find many things disturbing the way other people do because I've done them now most of my life and uh, they're interesting to me. You know, I look up people's assholes, I look in their noses, I look under their arms, I touch them, I touch them everywhere, they undress for me uh, because I'm going to help them and they trust me and trust is really, uh, in the office, trust um, and, uh, and uh, sincerity and integrity is really key to what I do. On the written page it's kind of bringing Letting some of the demons fly sometimes, but also talking bluntly. And I think it's that bluntness that some people find disturbing. But talking bluntly about what I do, and, and to other doctors, it wouldn't be disturbing most of the time. Um, other writers who write about medical stuff would write about it discreetly from, the point of view, from a different point of view. Um, I'm, I just take mine. Tell us about your new book, The Domino Master. I'm intrigued by the title. I'll say very simply, I, I, it's a long book. A man, a father dies, and the son, um, he, and then he go, he he's cremated by his wish, and the son, his son, goes to um, pick up the the ashes in an urn, and he's told that his father's bones didn't burn, and so he's given the bones in a box to, and he doesn't understand why they didn't burn, and 
he has to find out and he finds out many things about his father that he never knew and it sends him on a quest to find out more and it puts him in some some difficult situations he does know that his father was a domino a champion he and um, he he's put in a position is he ready to take on that mantle he replays uh, many of those experiences he had with his father and he he learns uh, um, secrets about the dominoes that uh, allow him to do many strange and wonderful things. I'm guessing, do you play dominoes? Um, I don't anymore very much, but we did play when I was growing up, and my father indeed was a uh, champion domino player. He was an amazing gambler and uh, at everything, and he loved it, and he passed on a lot of that love to all his children, and so it's a great gift he gave us. This sounds like a rather personal work for you then. It's very personal. Um, it, it started out after my father died, and uh, it, it kind of uh, grew out of some of the feelings I had. And then the story came up, and the story, obvi- well, not obviously, but as m- most stories do, took on a life of its own. But I never lost sight of that particular, um, the drama of that, the son and the father, and all the different ways that that played out. There was, there were, there was a lot of pride from the son to the father. There was some bad feelings. There was a lot of love. And that gets played out through the book um, where the son gets in some situations where he really could use some, use his dad to help him and use, certainly use some of the lessons of his father. But he does have the dominoes and, um, and this mystery of why his father's bones don't burn. And that actually plays into a key conflict um, in which the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. And this is the first of a series of books. Well, that sounds really entertaining. Now, tell us a little bit about the story you're reading tonight. Uh, the story I'm reading tonight is, um, was actually, I've written a number of, uh, this is one of, one of the stories that I'm starting to think of is from the doctor diaries. So um, it, there's some medicine in it and uh, there's some genetics in it. And this is actually stuff I wrote about maybe 20 years ago, so I'm kind of coming back to it. But now, actually, we're really close to the stuff that I kind of predicted would happen. It's actually happening. Um, I take it another step further in this story. This is the story of a woman who, um, whose mother has a, a serious kind of cancer that can be passed on genetically. And the uh, daughter really doesn't want to know whether she has that or not because it would put her in a position of having to make some decisions that she just doesn't want to face. But these tests are available. And so um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about this future that we have now where you can actually um, go online, order a uh, test kit, and send it out and have your whole genome sequenced um, and get the results online. Um, within six weeks and you can do that now and it's really amazing and it's really frightening and it's really exciting and that's what the story's about. <laughs> Sounds like it'll be exciting for the medical insurance companies. <laughs> In what way do you think? Uh, because they'll be able to say hey you know you've got some bad genes there I think your premium just went up about 800 percent. You know it's this, obviously this is a huge issue and that that's been a big issue with other in other areas, it was a huge issue when AIDS hit the scene with HIV, and we were we actually had special training before we could do the test. 
in order to uh, talk to people appropriately, advise them um, both of what, repercu what repercussions could be, but also uh, um, be, be ready, prepared for how their reactions might be. Um, but in, in terms of uh, confidentiality, when um, it's a little less now, but the HIV status, we've been dealing with that now for, what, 10, 15 years. And I remember the days that we weren't allowed to put it in the chart. We had to have a separate charts for, um, for that. Now that's changed a little bit. But the genome, um, incredibly um, incendiary information. And uh, I fully expect that it's going to get in the wrong hands. And I fully expect there's going to be eugenics performed and I fully expect there's going to be miracle cures formed and just like now you know <laughs> and so it's really exciting to be in that arena and it's a little scary and that's why I'm interested in talking about it. I've been speaking with Michael Bloomline. His forthcoming novel is The Domino Master. Thank you for joining me Michael. Hey Rick that was wonderful and thank you for all the great work you do. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.